Everybody doing well today? Yes? Okay. Well, this is the day that the Lord has made, so let us rejoice and be glad in it. So we're going to jump back into 1 Peter today. Um, I love the series. Um, I love it, and I hate it at the same time, and I'll explain what I mean by that. It's amazing, but the things that it reveals that's in your own heart is sometimes hard, isn't it? You're like, oh, wow, I thought I was doing better, but this is an area I need to take to the Lord, and it needs to be crucified. So there's that kind of a thing that's happening with a lot of us as we're working through the series. But the truth of the matter is, I really do love it. I love the Word of God. It has the power to truly change us and conform us to the image of His Son. So we're, we're broken people, and we have shown up this morning in this gymnasium in West Elizabethan as completely broken people. Do you all feel broken? Do you recognize your depravity and your helplessness for the gospel? Because if you don't, then you're probably not going to receive much. But if you do, if you, if you recognize that in my heart there's a battle, in my heart there's a struggle, I don't have it all together, then you're in a good place. You're in a safe place. So we're going to go to the Word of God and see how it can enable us to see how Jesus seeks out to change and to mold and to conform those that are broken and to help us with these wars, which I'll explain in a moment, that just battle within us. And um, sometimes it's really hard and we are so completely dependent upon Jesus. So let's just go to him right now. We'll open up in prayer and then we'll open up 1 Peter chapter 2. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you. Thank you for the hope that we have because of the gospel. Lord, we are a people in general full of pretense, hypocrisy, brokenness. We want people to think that we've got it all together when truthfully we really don't. And there's a war that is there. Left to our own devices, we would be so discouraged and frustrated but we show up on days like today to hear from you, to be encouraged by your word, to be, re be reminded of the magnitude and the glory of the gospel, and to be reminded that we, even we, as broken as we are, that we have hope because of what Jesus has done, not because of how good we are, or our abilities, or anything else, but only because of what Jesus has done and continues to do in us and through us because he loves us. Jesus, you are my only hope. You are our only hope. Lord, help verses 11 and 12 come alive. May anything else that comes out of my mouth that is not of you just quickly fall to the ground and be forgotten. But may the words that come from you that we need to hear. May they forever change us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. So last week, we looked at a lot. We were, we're in chapter 2. So if you want to go ahead and turn there, uh, you may do so. But we are in First uh, Peter chapter 2. First uh, Peter chapter 1 is just laced with the gospel. So is uh, the beginning of, of chapter 2. And I used the illustration last week that we were vert vertical. We're looking at our relationship with God. And then last week we began to see the horizontal, how that gospel truth is worked out amongst the relationships with your husband, with your wife, with your children, with your boss, with other people, with unbelievers that are in your life. So we're going to continue that trajectory for a while. So last week, here's the truth. If you want, if you didn't, if you weren't here last week, I really do encourage you to go back, go online. There's like three different mechanisms or tools that you can use to be able to hear the sermon or watch the sermon. But you ought to go back and listen to it because if not, without like really going through and looking at the, the passages and processing what was said there, then these may not make a lot of sense to you. Okay, so the first truth that we looked at at Christ alone is the chosen and the precious living cornerstone. And he, and he alone is the foundation for our faith and for our lives. And the enemy wants to do anything that he can to put a crack in that foundation. The second truth we looked at is <clears throat> that we are a chosen race. And 
you know, maybe taking a little bit of liberty with that, but I think it's within the context of what he was saying, said that there's no, there should be no racial prejudice within the, the body of Christ, within the kingdom of God. It should not exist. So if it is, we need to take that before the Lord. Uh, there was a truth to be. I don't know why it wasn't just truth three, but that's just Jerry being Jerry. As God's people, we are a holy nation, and there is no particular nationalism within the kingdom of God, which we saw as Nancy um, came up here and she read letters from the missionary that was in the Ukraine. And by the way, if you want to get updates on what's happening with that particular missionary, um, go see Nancy, you know, because I continue to get those emails and read them on a pretty much a daily basis, and um, they, it's encouraging, and it's a reminder to be praying for our believers all over the world. We are a holy people. We're a new race. There's no nationalism. It's not God in America, and um, I, I don't want to get up, off on that rabbit trail, but go back and listen. And truth number three was our last one. We remain on this earth to proclaim him and his excellencies to others. He could have taken us. He could have just saved us and removed us from this world, but he did not. So we are here to proclaim his excellencies, and there's different ways that we can do that. And in the latter part of the sermon today, we'll see some of those ways. So that takes us to where we are now. Of course, you can't move forward. None of this makes any sense unless you see everything that's been said up to this point. But look in the Word of God. Look on your phones. Look up here if you've got good eyesight. This is 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. And it's almost a, a therefore or so or because of everything that I just said. It's got that same kind of a feel to it. Okay, so hear the Word of Holy God that He has given to us. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation." So in the previous passage, Peter, as I've said, he's reminding us that Jesus is the cornerstone. He's a solid foundation. And upon our belief in the gospel, we are this, as I just showed you in the slides, we're a chosen people. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. And we are a people of his own possession. We weren't, and now we are. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. We're recipients of God's mercy. And as such, our objective is to proclaim him and his excellencies and let people know that we have been called out of darkness into this marvelous light. Those are Peter's words, not mine. So today's passage picks up with a few charges to the readers. And I think, and I'll show you this in a moment, I think what you're going to see in these two verses, you're going to see an internal charge, and then you're going to see an external charge. So let's look at that. Okay? Same passage, but look at this. Internal charge. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which war against your soul. There's this internal charge. You're a Jesus follower now. And there's this war that we're going to talk about that takes place within you. And his internal charge is how you go about fighting that war. We'll walk through that. But look at the external. And then he goes outward and says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day of visitations. A visitation. A few weeks back... One of the young ladies in our church, who I believe is six years old, who's going to be baptized in a few weeks, she asked this question. I wasn't there when she asked it, so my words may be off just a little bit. But she asked, if I believe the gospel, again, this is coming from a six-year-old. If I believe the gospel and Jesus took away my sins, then why do I continue to sin? Man, what a question. What a great question. We're not necessarily going to spend all of our time answering in detail the answer to that question. But we are going to see and be reminded that even after coming to Christ, 
even after seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, even after we are saved, we'll still sin. We'll still struggle. There's still, if going back to verse one through whatever it was, there's this process of we're saved, we're being saved, we will be saved. And we said that, that we're being saved, that was called sanctification. And we're all going to go through this process of sanctification because he who began a good work in us, he, he desires to bring it to completion. And that's a, a struggle sometimes. And none of us are exempt from the process of sanctification. And in this process of sanctification, we're learning, uh, borrowing from Titus, we're learning to say no to ungodliness and to say yes to the gospel. To say no to the desires from the flesh and to say yes to what pleases God. To learn how to abide in the vine, John 15, and to allow Christ to live through us more and more every day. And it's a process and it's hard sometimes. We think that we're doing better than we are, and we pride ourselves on how well we're doing. And the truth of the matter is, there's nothing good within us, within our sinful flesh. The only hope that we have is in the gospel. Paul cries out in Romans 7 when he recognizes this struggle that's there, and he says, what a wretched man I am. Who shall rescue me from this body of sin and death? And then he says, but thanks be to God through Christ Jesus our Lord. Only because of Christ, not because of us. But there's a struggle and, and our actions flow from what we believe in the same way that Matthew 12, 34 says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And before he steps into the, this in, internal change, I want you to notice he addresses them in two different ways. The first one he uses is the word beloved. He calls them his beloved. You see that? He starts off with beloved. It's a term of endearment. And the meaning is what you would think. Very much loved or worthy of love. It's a simple word, but it reminds us that Peter truly loved those that he was writing to. If we give a charge to someone that we don't necessarily care for, and they know that we don't necessarily care for them, that won't be received well, now will it? But if, as Scripture says, we do love them and we speak the truth in love, then that comes across as a different kind of a charge. A charge from the fact that I really care about you and I want to see Christ formed in you. And I want to see you live a victorious life. And I want to see you be faithful and overcome the enemy. And in the same way, the Lord is looking at us and speaking to us, Redstone Elizabethan, in this body. And he's saying, beloved, I love you. I have sought you out and I desire that you be victorious. But there is an enemy. In fact, there are two of them. And we'll look at both. There's going to be your own flesh. And then there's going to be the enemy himself. And I want to see you victorious through those wars and battles. The second way that he expresses them, look at it again, verse number 11, he calls them sojourners and exiles. That's the theme running throughout 1 Peter. If we miss that theme, we're going to miss so much of what he is saying in all of these chapters. We're sojourners. We are exiles. It's here again and it keeps on popping up we have a different citizenship. We have a different home. The things of this world will never satisfy us. So our behavior, which you'll go into in a second, it must be different from those that are of this world, that find their happiness and their identity in this world. But we should grow more and more uncomfortable in this world the more that we live in it. So let's go back and look at the same passage, but let's break it down a little bit. So this is the first verse. This is verse number 11. This is the internal charge. And I've put big letters and reds of what I'm going to cover with you. He says, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain. So we're going to look at urge and we're going to look at abstain. And then from the passions of the flesh, which war against your soul. Peter 
is making an earnest plea. He is urging them. And if you look up that word, it means to ask, plead, earnestly request, or, and hear me, church, to literally beg. The, the verses in 11, urge, the word urge, means to just literally beg. And he's begging them. And he's not, he's not saying, here's an idea of something you might consider doing. It's a charge. It's a charge to the church. And he's asking them to abstain from the passions of the flesh. And then he even says, why? Because they war against your soul. Now, the word abstain here, a pepho or something to that, ask Luke, he'll know, or Brandon. And it means to be away from, to be distant, to avoid, to keep free from. It's a charge to stay clear of something. And we'll come back in a few moments, and I'm going to give you three specific, I think, wisdom applications of ways that you can abstain. But look at it. Abstain from what? The passions of the flesh which war against your soul. Now, when I first read that, I assumed that it was talking about um, just lust and sexual temptation. Sarakikos is the word, and it means worldly, human, belonging to this world, carnal, and material things. That's what it means by flesh here. So when you see the flesh part, it's things of this world. It's things that are carnal. It's human things that belong to this world that we live in. 1 Corinthians 9 and 11 for example, uses the same word and says material things. So when you see the word flesh there, understand that the context is much greater than where your mind might go in the way that it was translated. And it goes all the way back to Genesis 3. So look at Genesis 3, 6. So when the woman saw, notice that, Saw what? That the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of it and its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. In a nutshell, that's the passion of the flesh. It was the things of this world that Peter is referring to. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, or as 1 John 15 and 16, a passage I do encourage you to find a way to internalize and remember, it says it this way, do not love the world or the things of the world. This is the flesh. If anyone loves the world, then the love of the Father is not in him. And then he breaks them down. It's the same things that started in Genesis and here John saying the same thing. For all that's in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. So the passion of the flesh that Peter is referring to here is desiring all that this world might have to offer. And he's reminding them you don't belong here. You are your own race. You are your own nation. You are your own people. You are now exiles. You are sojourners. You are now children of, as Adam Stein told us, a holy God. And therefore, our behavior should be holy. And our passions, passions are to be for the things of the spirit and not the things of the world. It shouldn't be for the flesh, which would be lust, or the passion of the eyes, which is just wanting shiny things that this world has to offer, or the passion of self, the enemy known as pride, where we really desire to be the wise one, to be the ones that are on the throne of our life. And he's charging them with this holy conviction of a charge to abstain from these because they war against your soul. Romans 
says this, Let not sin reign in your mortal body to obey these passions, to obey its passions. And that is the internal battle that we will fight our whole lives while on this earth, even after believing the gospel and coming to faith. Even though Jesus took all of our sins, and hear me, this is the gospel, because he took our sins, because we believe in the gospel, he has taken us and he has put us, and this is its own sermon series within itself, but he's placed us in Christ. We're justified. We're declared not guilty. We're reconciled back to God. We're redeemed. We're bought back. We were enemies and now we're children. All of that is in church. If we miss this, then we're going to try really hard to impress God in the world. It's all because of what Jesus did on the cross, not because of what we do, because even after we believe the gospel, there will still be an internal struggle. There will still be a sin battle and hopefully less and less so the more we understand him and the more we give up our rights to our life and allow him to live through us. Now, I have put three simple ways that I think that we can abstain. There's probably 30. Okay, so here's three. Um, I think that these are in your worship guide. So if you're a fill-in-the-blank person, you can fill in these blanks. The first one is, as John Kuna reminded us, to renew our minds. This is Romans 12, 1 and 2. To desire the sincere milk of the word of God as we discussed two weeks ago so that we can grow up into our salvation. You are here this morning, Redstone Elizabethan, because it's Sunday morning and we go to church on Sunday mornings, but it's bigger, it's deeper than that. You are here and I am here as pastor. We are all on the same level playing field and we are renewing our minds to the truth. Okay? So there's the first one. And this is why we hammer home over and over and over. And it even came up in our men's uh, gathering on Friday night at our little tables, just the importance of being in the word of God and recognizing the battle that's there. And we would rather do anything but read the word of God. And the enemy knows that. He doesn't want you to renew your mind. The second one is to avoid danger zones. I meant to take out my little notes over here so that you didn't see those. Those were for me. So I apologize. You're seeing what I have here, right? So I didn't mean to do this. You probably can't read all of that. But the second one is to avoid danger zones. Ephesians says to not be unwise, but to be wise, to stay distant, to avoid, to keep away from. I was this morning, early I got up and I was reading through Proverbs. And here's just a couple of passages in Proverbs 4 through 7. Do not enter the path of the wicked, do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn from it and do not pass on it. On down the, to the next chapter. Keep your way far from her, which was talking about the adulteress here. Do not go near the door of her house. On to chapter 7, 6 through 9. Among the simple I have perceived among the youths a young man lacking sense passing along the street near her, her corner, taking the road to her house in the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night and darkness. And I want to say, what are you doing? What are you doing on this road that's near her house this time of the night? At, a, at the time that you're, 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 the temptations are stronger, avoid it. So the second one is avoiding danger zone. You know, that can be a time of the day not to be on a computer or a, a member, you know, an employee that you work with to not be in his or her office, to watch when you're tired and to watch when you're stressed, 
There's just certain places. If you struggle with eating donuts, you probably don't need to walk by the donut shop, right? Take a different route. It's just those wisdom applications of how can we be wise and avoid these things. And let it not be said that Jerry said that eating donuts is sin because it is not. We like our donuts. And then the last one is to replace, to replace, this is just a wisdom application, the passions of the flesh with the passions of the spirit. Get your mind off your, yourself and our, get our minds off of our struggle. Go do something for someone else. Go be generous. Be hospitable. Invite people into your home. Go share the gospel with someone or just go pray, but do something that gets your mind off of yourself. So having looked at these, and yes, there are more. So question number one, which is also in your worship guide, is this. Am I being wise in my attempts to, if you're filling in the blanks, to abstain from the passions of the flesh? Am I being wise? Do I renew my mind? Do I come to church ready to hear the word of God or because I'm supposed to? Am I in the word and do I crave it because I need it like oxygen or do I read it because I'm supposed to? Am I, am I walking down some roads that I shouldn't be walking on? Do I pay attention to what my danger zones are? the time of the day, how I act when I'm stressed, when I'm tired, and so on and so forth. And the next question is, what areas might I need to improve on? This is where we as a body and individually, we confess. I need to do better in this area, oh God. I recognize, in having my mind renewed this morning to the truth of your word, I recognize some areas that I need to improve on. But don't beat yourself up. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Remember, the very first thing I said is that we're all broken and fallen people here. Paul says, he writes two-thirds of the New Testament. He says, I am the chief of all sinners. The more I see the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, the more I recognize how broken and foolish and sinful that I really am. And I do stupid, stupid things. Forgive me, Camp Redstone kids, it might still be in here because I said the word stupid. But it's true. We're fools. And we see that. And the gospel doesn't condemn us, but it reminds us of our need for Jesus. Now remember, he says that these passions war against your soul. War is a pretty intense word. So there's two wars that I think are taking place. Okay, the first war, and I referenced it a moment ago, and it's in Romans 7, if you want to go look at that. That's just a good example. And it's the war in our minds against the enemy of, and hear me, it's the flesh. It's your own flesh. That's the one war that will always be there. Unfortunately, we still remain in this body. We still remain in this flesh. It's the ongoing pull of the old self trying to get us to act, live, and think as we once did and to put self back on the throne. And then the second war, uh, war remember when we went through the Ephesians series and remember in Ephesians 6, and it says our struggle is not just with flesh and blood, but it's with a real enemy. It's really Satan and it's his demons that hate us. They hate Jesus. They hate Christians. They hate righteousness, truth, goodness. And they will do anything, the legion of demons at his disposal to do anything to get us sinning, struggling, and to get our mind off the kingdom and to get our minds on ourselves. And I've used this illustration before, and I'm getting ready to interview Larry Kimball in a few moments up here, but if we don't recognize these things early, and if we don't find forgiveness and healing and freedom early, then we spin our wheels, and we wake up one day, and we're 70 years old. And listen, church, this is just direct. This is to you and to me. We have wasted our lives fighting these internal wars and fighting the enemy. And what did we do for the kingdom of God while we were in this battle, when we were focused on ourselves and our struggle and trying to act like we had it all together? Probably nothing. 
And Jesus wants to set us free from that because he wants our lives to count, not for us, but for his kingdom. Rulers, authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness, the spiritual forces of evil, there is really an enemy. And like it or not, Jesus follower, we are at war with both the flesh and the enemy. And Peter is begging, he's urging us to be wise and to abstain and to not give in, to remember who we now are and what he has done. And as we'll see in 2 Peter, to remind us that his divine power has given us everything that we need to be godly, to be holy, to do righteousness, to live righteously. That's the internal charge. Now let's look at the external charge. 1 Peter 2.12, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when, because that one underlies and in bold, that wasn't in the Bible that way, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. This takes us back again to be holy, for he, he is holy, to be separate, to be set apart, to be unlike the world, and to be like your holy God. You are his children. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. You need to resemble him more than you do the world. The internal charge reminds us that this begins with our thinking and our believing, which is what we're doing this morning. And the external charge points to the effect that our conduct will have amongst unbelievers, which is what he means when he says Gentiles in this particular passage. And notice that it says, and I have it underlined, when they speak against you not if they speak against you. Anyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Well, I'm never persecuted. Well, the conclusion is that maybe we're not living as godly as we should be. Because if we're truly salt and light, if we're truly a light in this world that exposes darkness, I think we talked about this last week or the week before, and the world hates that because we expose their sin and their sinful condition. And when that happens, they will come against us. Who do you think you are, preacher boy? Who do you think you are, little Christian? Because you've, you've exposed their own sinfulness. Instead of seeing that and recognizing it and wanting a savior, they would rather knock us down a notch or two. Matthew 5, 10 through 11, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when... Others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Falsely. John 15, 18 through 20, Jesus says, If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of this world, therefore... The world hates you. And if we're not ready for that, then we won't represent him well. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant will not be greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. Next week in verse 20, we'll see this kind of suffering and persecution, which is a theme that runs out throughout 1 Peter. It's actually part of our calling it's not something that we long for and that we pray for and we go seeking after. But if our conduct is as he says here, if it's honorable, if it's honorable, some people are going to persecute us. But, and hear me on this, that holy conduct has the power to witness to the truths of the gospel and the fact that Christ has indeed done supernatural work in our hearts and consistent faithful loving 
humble obedience to God that is shown by kindness and gentleness and a non-retaliatory supernatural response to others even when they persecute us and try to hurt us or tear us down, that behavior, that honorable response to them that is different than anything that they've ever experienced, it can in itself, the response, speak to and point them to the glory of the gospel. There's something different about him. There's something different about her. And we'll talk about that later in 1 Peter. But it can point them to there really is a supernatural thing that has taken place in their lives because I know the old Adam Stein. And in this situation, he would have punched me in the nose or he would have given me what's what. But he didn't. His response was loving and gentle. And he just took it. If you want to learn more about this, this is what I've been reading. Go back and read Matthew 5 through 7. Just go back and read the Sermon on the Mount. Take a close look at things like anger and lust and marriage and oaths and retaliation and even loving our enemies, how Jesus gives us a better, better way. And also in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, he says this. He says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, look at this, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And at this point, he's going to stay horizontal for quite a while, and he's going to show us how the gospel can be worked out in all of these relationships. But I'm going to give you your final truth. I'm looking for a clock of the day. We're okay. Um, and then I'm going to step into, uh, in a moment, a conversation with Larry. So here's your second and final question of the day. You ready? Filling in the blank. I've got them up here for you. Would the unbelievers in my life say that my conduct is honorable does my conduct point to a supernatural change in my heart and in my life? He is holy, and therefore we are to be holy. Do they see that holiness in all of our conduct? Back to the earlier question. If I believe the gospel, which says that Jesus took away my sins, then why do I continue to sin? Well, that's because we are at war with our flesh and with the enemy. But as we grow in our gospel understanding and learn to abide in Christ, then we will learn to say no to ungodliness and yes to holiness, to love this world less and less and to long for something better and something more beautiful. And Peter is saying, you must, I urge you, I beg you and I plead you to see this, you must abstain, stay away from, don't walk on the same roads that you once did. Anything that you could see that the enemy would use to trip you up, be wise, stay away from it. You are called to be holy and to represent him and to declare his excellencies to other individuals. And your behavior must be so radically different when someone hurts you, smacks you, tears you down, slanders you, than what the world would do, that they would take note of it. And this question is asking, are people taking note in your life and in my life? And if you sense that there are areas where you've not abstained, if you sense that you're, there's places where you're not being wise and that your conduct is not necessarily honorable, ask the Lord to reveal that to you. And then confess it and receive his forgiveness and ask him to give you the strength to do better in that area. Abide in the vine. 
He desires for each of us to be set free. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Freedom. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And that freedom changes the way that we live. It frees us up that we don't walk around condemning ourselves, but just in this continual conversation with the Lord, we recognize how broken that we are and how dependent we are upon him. And over time, people take notice. Now, I have more questions today, a lot more actually, okay? But they're going to go to this guy. (laughs) All right? You like that picture, Larry Kimball? Come on up, buddy. So, Larry, if you will grab that microphone and grab that stool, this is how we're going to end our time together today. Okay? Get yourself situated. Larry Kimball. So, Larry, you were, where were you yesterday? Oh, man. Just just asking? Yeah. I was, uh, can you hear me? Check, check. There you go. Yeah. I was in, uh, I was on a work trip in Grand Cayman. Yes, he was in Grand Cayman. That's what I was fishing for. And you gave up sticking around in Grand Cayman. You did everything you could to get back here for this moment. I know that you did. And I want to say thank you for that. Okay. So on January the 27th of last year, and I referenced this on a few different occasions, um, I invited Larry to come up. Obviously, I didn't surprise him with that. It was something that we talked about and prayed about beforehand. Um, I don't want you to go into great detail right? Because there's other questions. And you know, because I sent you my questions ahead of time. Um, But briefly talk about that. What was that about? And what did you declare? And then we'll go through some of the other questions. Yeah. Are you going to change the slide or is that going to stay up there? (laughs) Yes, there. I did Uh, change it. Okay. Uh, The, uh, I, I have to do that disclaimer too up there because, you know, when I was up here last time, I said, you have to bear with me. When I get uncomfortable, I start to smile, you know, really widely. And I'm going to be talking about awkward stuff, and my smile was just going to keep getting bigger and bigger the more awkward I got. So Joker. Yep. So bear with me on that. But um, back then in January, I came up and I talked about kind of a lifelong struggle I've had with pornography and just the effect it had on my life. And I was exposed when I was 11 years old to it and, and just had a hard time stepping away from that and stopping it uh, all the way until I was 30. And what kind of precipitated us getting together and coming up here was I had started a program over in Johnson City called Regeneration. And, and at that program, you know, they tackle issues with pornography, but all kinds of stuff, all, all kinds of stuff. And so anything really that as we're going to talk about has kind of mastered you. So Yeah, well, so stay on uh, Regen. So we didn't do a ministry moment. We prayed today for Ukraine and we prayed for Becca. But if there's a ministry that we're really kind of showcasing today, it's regeneration or Regen. So we've actually, once we had that, oh, they're talking about pornography in front of the whole church. You're right. That was a little bit of a shock to people. And we did because it's real and it's a, it's a tool Um, I am, and you heard me say this last year, um, I am ticked off. I may have used a different word than I have in private conversations, but I am ticked off on this particular struggle more than anything else that I am, you know, anything else. I am angry over it, I'm sick of it, and I'm over it. Because I see how the enemy is using it to trip up people. But it's not just that, it's really anything else that the enemy would use to master you, to take over. So what are some other things that you've seen in the people that have come into regen or regeneration and how has regen maybe helped with that? That's kind of a broad, yeah, okay. That's good, that's good. Um, yeah, so regeneration, I have some notes here to keep me on point too, so. <laughs> keep Re- smiling. Yeah, that's right. Regen is a discipleship recovery program that utilizes the 12 steps, which some of you might be familiar with from AA or other places like that. But regen does kind of, that's where the similarities end as far as regen goes, because at the regeneration program, their stance is clear that there is no healing to be found apart from belief in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit to to change us, regenerate us. Um, And so in that program, you do daily work. Uh, There's workbooks that you work through. It takes about a little over a year. And then there's weekly meetings that you go to every Monday from 6.30 to 8.30. 
And uh, I think, I think Regen, some of the issues that people, wow, it's, they have actually a sheet and I, I, I was sure I had a bunch at my house. I don't, but I'd be happy to send them to anyone, but they have a sheet of over 100 issues that might, might bring you to regeneration. And it's amazing when people go through that sheet. Just off the top of your head, can you come up with a oh, few? Oh yeah, oh yeah, because I circled a bunch. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, the, the things that will bring people to Regen are things like pornography or like we're typical, like more typical with the 12-step program, issues with drugs, issues with alcohol, things like that. But the other things that'll bring them are issues with depression, issues with resentment and bitterness toward people in your past or things that have happened to you, right? Issues with anxiety, issues with the desire to please people over pleasing God. Hmm. Right? And, and the issues just go on from there. It's, it's amazing, that sheet, how many, how many things out there that can plague us and can trip us up. Yeah. Did that answer it? Yeah. Yeah, I went, you know, I've gone, I guess, three or four times now. But I remember the first night that we went in, you know, seeing that list. And they asked us to go through and circle anything that might affect us. And <laughs> you're like, oh, my gosh. You know, you, you don't recognize until you see that list of, um, just how, what, what a struggle we are truly, you know, in the flesh. I, I used the, the uh, phrase a moment ago um, that we are to abstain, and I gave some, well, that was, I didn't use that phrase, that's what Peter said, but I, I said, renew your minds, avoid danger zones, replace the passions of the flesh, okay, with uh, passions of the spirit. Would you add anything to that, or what would you say about that list? Anything? No, I, I love that list. I joked with my wife, I was like, that list covers it so well, it's kind of, you know, Oh, thank you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I needed that I mean, affirmation the, of man. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I'm helping you out. Um, it's, uh, I mean, you know, it's, it's the classic. It's avoid these, you know, pick up these. And um, I think the only thing that I thought of that is, is, was helpful in my experience and going through the process was, and you, of course, would attest mm -hmm. to this too, the, the power of uh, uh, a body of believers, mm. you know, of walking alongside other Christians and just how much that can change the game. I know, yeah. I know for me, when I was in my struggle, the, just that isolation, you know, in yeah. it, and, and just feeling like the broken one in the group or like, you know, just, just kind of beyond hope and actually letting people into that is truly amazing how much the tide can begin to turn. It's shocking actually. And, um, I don't know if that's, you know, we're two or three are gathered in my name or what, mm -hmm. but even the guys I meet with regularly, we'll talk about sending a text to someone and saying, I'm struggling today. Can you pray for me? It's amazing how so much power goes out of that fight against you. It's just yeah. shocking. They haven't even prayed yet. You just sent the text. But, but something about being there together with other believers really has such a power to it. You know, and, and yeah. yeah. Um. We, in the passage, I'm looking over your shoulder, it says to abstain from the, the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Uh, let me just say something and then we'll come back to that particular passage. So, um, well, let me ask this question. About how many people in our church have jumped into regen over the past year or so? Past year. Yeah. Good question. I'm running through it in my head. We, some of us all sit together when we're there. Uh, I think, I think if I was right and I was thinking nine or 10. Okay. Yeah. So here to that nine or 10 people. And it really started with, you know, you just coming up and, and allowing me to interview you, which was a little awkward. It was, you know, you're naked before God in the world. Here I am. Am I willing to do that? Yeah. To expose the temptation, the struggle, the stronghold, I think is the better word that's there. But we have seen people with various struggles be set free this year. Praise God for that. Okay, so but let's go back to that passage. When it says that these passions, they wage war against your soul. I'm not trying to take you back to a dark place, right? But there are people that are sitting in this congregation today that have a struggle that have similar struggles that there's something and again that my passage was in second peter where it says a man is a slave this is parenthetical statement that's kind of like in the middle of a bigger thing that he's trying to say but he says a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him 
right? Whether that's anxiety or depression or I must please people or there's these words from the past that I can't get them out of my head or it could be a lust of the flesh, right? Um, a desire for intimacy, and, you know, or whatever. There, there's, again, over a hundred of those. But if it's mastered you when you were in that real struggle, and I know it's a lifelong struggle, but when you were really there, how did it wage war against your soul? Yeah, yeah. What did yeah. that look like? Yeah. Um, we want to know because we've never experienced that. Yeah, that's right, that's right. I'll, I'll let you guys in on it. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, yeah, so I think there were two parts to this question that, that stuck out to me. One was definitely in that, in that place, I think there are kind of one element that is big that I mentioned before is that, that secrecy element, that, yeah. that isolation that, um, and you know, there's a, there in Proverbs 18, it talks about a man who, who seeks to isolate himself, seeks his own mm. desires, right? And, and I think that secrecy, yeah. and you, you can look back to Adam and Eve. The, what's the first desire they had after they sinned was to go and hide. Yeah. And that's our first desire is once we've messed up, how can, I, how can I keep this hidden? How can I make sure that nobody knows what's happened? And I think a real good sign that something's mastering you is you can't talk about it. Yeah. Because you're serving something else then. Mm-hmm. You hiding it is serving something else something else that, that has mastered you. And if you're able to get up and talk about these things, you know, whatever that thing is, if you can bring it into, a, into the light, wow, you've taken its feet out from under it as far as mastering you. Because you, you've said, no, no, there's something bigger that I serve. There's something more important than I serve than this struggle, right? Than keeping this struggle hidden. So I know for me that, that secrecy, that was a war that was constantly on my soul. And the other one that... that you got into really easily was we talk about that cycle of sin that is yeah. that cycle of guilt and shame right that that piles on you that and and i've i've noticed it i've i've remembered it better even lately talking to some people that i met with that how much it really just cripples you you feel like a hypocrite at church you feel like a hypocrite talking about anything spiritual right and that shame piles on and that guilt and then to, to relieve some of that pressure that you feel, some of that shame and that guilt, guess what? You go back to the, to the very thing that caused it in the first place. Mm. And that cycle repeats itself over and over and over again. And so that war is relentless. And, and eventually, for a lot of us, it reaches a point where we're like, well, yeah, I can't keep doing it like this. Yeah. You know, I can't, I can't continue. But, but a lot of times we would rather keep doing that than be exposed, wouldn't we? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, the secrecy. That's the that's the that's the enemy whispering to us that you just can't share this thing. This thing has to stay hidden. This thing has to stay locked up. And as long as that's the case, we 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 definitely are running the risk of being mastered by something. But the one other thing I wanted to mention with waging war because um you know, I was gone this week on a business trip mm-hmm. all week and my family was on our vacation that I was supposed to be on with them which already put me in a, in a difficult spot. Now it was in Grand Cayman. Everyone always gives me a hard time. Yeah, that's an easy spot to be on a business trip. Yeah. For sure. Oh, Lord bless him. I know, I know. Wow, I was really, no, I, get I was it. working hard. I understand, yeah. you're away from your family. I was away from my family though, and I was watching them have a great time at Disney without me. And if, if you've ever been on the road, you know the road is a very difficult and tempting place. And I am arriving to you fresh from the war. Yeah. You know, it, it, I'm, it, it has gotten better. And I'll say, pornography had no, no place in my life this last week, praise God. That would have never been possible for the last, yeah. Well, thanks, yeah. Praise, praise God, because truly, that would have never been possible without his power and his healing and his changing me. That would have, that would have this would have been an easy, easy, I would have been easy prey. And, um, but all that to say, that war... Hmm. continues in a different way. You know, I, I'm, I'm fresh from the fight this week of, of, right. of just struggling against the passions of the flesh, but how I'm so grateful and I'm so thankful to the Lord that I can, I can feel in a better place. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not a place of secrecy. It's not a place of defeat this week. Yeah. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. So just, just I thought those two elements of waging war. Yeah, thanks, man. I, when, when I said earlier in the sermon 
that there's that, that's, you know, kind of the cycle, you know, that you're, you're referring to, and all of a sudden you wake up one day and you're seven years old and you've wasted your life and done nothing for the kingdom, but you hid really well, right? If you did well in any area, it's like, yeah, I hid well, hid, hid from my sin, you know, quite well, but you see it in Adam and Eve, and we've talked about this, and I know I've talked about it even on a Sunday morning, is you sin, you struggle, and what do you do? You do like Adam and Eve did, you go hide. And how much work do you do for the kingdom of God while you're in hiding? None. You don't do anything, right? And eventually, you like you pray yourself out of it, and you start listening to Christian music, and you get your Bible out, and suddenly, you know, it's like, okay, I've done enough good things now. I can come out of hiding, and then the enemy is like, okay, here we go again, and he just trips you up again, you know. And we continue to hide because the guilt will drive us into hiding. Jesus comes to us, and remember, so here's the gospel in Genesis: they've clothed themselves because of their nakedness. And they're embarrassed by it. There's guilt that's there. And they try to take care of that themselves with fig leaves. But an animal had to die. And he kills an animal and he clothes them. There's your first kind of a picture of the gospel. And it's when death had to enter into this world was because something had to cover the sins of people, right? So that cycle... um, it stinks and it's hard. So you, the first step is being honest about it. Okay, so now briefly, and then we're going to close our time. I'm not going to continue to ask you questions. So you're in Regen, and it's not a magic 12 steps. Okay, so what is it that may tie back to what we're talking about in First Peter? But what is it that you receive while you're at Regeneration that helps you to be set free? Yeah, that is a, wow, that is a good question. Was that on my list? I don't know if it was or not. Well, we can, we'll, we'll make it work. Okay. Um, I think, well, I think first off, I mean, the, the clearest thing is that, that I, could, I could go through all the work in the world to be, to never look at pornography again. And if that's all I did, mm-hmm. really still not that much was gained for the kingdom, right? Because if it, this was just about fixing that issue and then I was going to be good to go otherwise... You know, it'd be a very different Larry up here. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd be as, as dead in, in all other kinds of litany of sins as, as any other. The point isn't to just fix us, right? Yeah. The point is that, that we actually grow to serve God above the other things we serve, right? That he actually teaches us how to love others more than we love ourselves. Hmm. You know, the, the, that's not really about pornography. That, that's about changing and renewing our mind like you talked about, you yeah. know? Um, so... All that to say, I, I think God is the, of course, the secret ingredient. I mean, he, we know how much he loves to set people free and to liberate them. Yeah. It's one of his favorite things to do. We know if you've been, do, if you've been in CBR, community Bible reading, look at all of Exodus. It's, he loves it. It's what he loves to do is he loves to free us. You look, at, you look at Jesus when John the Baptist's disciples come to him and he says, Spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim liberty to the captive. You know, it's, it's one of his favorite things. So I think, yeah, that's a, that's a hard, easy answer. But no, God, is, God, is, God is, the, is the secret. And, and I think one thing that Regen helps is it keeps you in the word. Yep. So you're constantly getting to be in the word of God. There's questions to answer. So you actually do have to read if you're going to answer them. Um, and, then, and then it helps you learn how to put into practice so many of the things yeah. that we read about, right? And I think if you, especially like you said, if you look at that Matthew 5 through 7, mm-hmm. you know, in there he talks about amends. Well, what's amends? I didn't know what the heck amends was <laughs> before I started this program. And yet Jesus says, hey, if, you, if you're giving your gift at the altar and you remember there that your brother has something against you, leave the gift. Don't even sacrifice to me. I don't want it. Until you've gone and you've made amends with your brother, then come and give your gift right? That's amends. But you know what? I, I didn't know how to do yeah. amends. And, and I'd never looked at that process. How, how do I go try to make it right with someone that, that has something against me? You know, so I think it really helped me put, put tools to practice okay. like you talked okay. about up there. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's great. Um, yeah, absolutely. So I'm thinking about, um, you know, just the tools and the things that you're going. So like the one of the things that when we look at that program, we always talk about how it's a gospel-centered program. Like, and I've talked to multiple people that have gone through it, and they say, we just keep on going back to the gospel. It's gospel application after gospel application. But the other part of that, kind of like community, Bible reading and community, you've got people around you. And I think about scripture that says, 
confess your sins to one another that you might be healed and carry one another's burdens that you might fulfill the law of Christ, that community component, that has to be like the magic sauce. Of course, gospel is, but it's the, the pixie dust comes with, but we're in this together, and I, this is a safe place for me to share my stuff. Oh my gosh, 100%. Yeah, okay. you're right. Yeah, I was going to say that we, you go through it in a group of, of males or females, and, and I will say, watching, I was the youngest guy in my group, and I, I remember watching one of the toughest guys I've ever encountered. He, he builds, you know, builds motorcycles for fun. Mm. And, um, and, and I watched him at, at like 55, 60 years old. Like his, you know, he's, 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 in, he's in the prime of his life. Okay, be careful. Yep, yeah. uh, no, all good, all good, all good. He's, uh, he's living it. He's living his, yeah. his best life, the life he wants to lead. And I watched him, I watched him share with us and weep hmm. over an abortion that he, that he had been connected to when he was 18. Weep in front of me. And man, I'll, I'll never forget that moment because he demonstrated to me a level of bringing things into the light that I had, I had never experienced before and and i'll never forget it and it was you might wonder what would be the benefit of that why why dredge that up why bring that up why why be in a group of other men and weep about that mm -hmm. you know from 18 years ago well clearly he needed to <laughs> but but man his example taught me so much about that process and about what that could look like so yes the community element uh, yeah, yeah, bring it into the light. It's huge. It's huge. Okay, we've got to wrap up our time. Um, I want to do two quick things. Uh, we are going to, to worship. We're going to sing here in a few moments. Um, but I'm thinking about just us. You know, this is, this is our flock. You know, this is the people of Redstone Elizabeth. And, and in this flock, you know that there's people that are struggling. You know that there are. Right, So there's people that have, that have made really bad mistakes in their lives. There's people that have had just so much guilt and it's been there for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, or their current lifestyle or whatever. What would you say to those people this morning? We're so glad you're here, hmm. first off. Thank, praise God. Um, you're in the right spot because you are among good company. We all have those things. You're definitely not alone yeah. in that. And I think the other thing is, if I could encourage you with something, is tell someone today. Yeah. Find someone. I know it, it seems like a simple and a small thing, and yet it feels, and it, but it can also feel like a mountain to climb. But if you can, if you can share it, bring it into the light with someone, you'll be amazed what God can do with that little step of obedience. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. Okay, um, thank you, you know, for obviously sharing this. I think this interaction is good for our body, and I think it's real, and it's raw, and it's transparent, and people are like, oh, wow, you know, I'm not used to this, but we've got to be transparent as a body of Christ. But last year, the fact that you were willing, at my request, to come step up and share what you did, it really was used by God to transform lives. Um, Larry's going to be back at the back today, and if you want to see him, do so. Um, there's other, you know, ladies that we've got plenty of ladies within, in this church that have gone through Regen or in Regen, um, you know, but you can fill out a card, you know, stick it in the box, you know, but if you're like, yeah, I really want to talk with somebody about this, uh, just let us know. You know, the, the key, I think, is first stepping into the life. That first step of obedience is, is critical. Um, don't have a lot of time. In fact, I'm always over, you know me, but is there anybody that has like a specific question for Larry instead of Jerry today? You got a, a Larry question that you want to ask? Worship team, you guys come on up. Does anybody have a question for Larry? It doesn't have to be for Larry. I covered it so well, didn't I? There's, there's, no, there's no, yeah. No one? Okay, I know we usually pass the mic, and I know this is weighty and, and heavy, um, but, you know, but God, he has redeemed us. He has, he has changed us. He has given us hope, and we are the broken people. It's not the other people. When you look at a Larry Kimball, you know, when we met, when the church, well, it was a long time ago, but you look at people and you think, ah, they've got it all together, right? We don't. 
We're just a messed up, broken lot of people. We all struggle in different ways and we all need the gospel. We desperately need Jesus and we desperately need each other. Right? So our passage, we'll leave it here. I'm going to say a quick prayer and then we're going to stand and want to worship. He says, Beloved, I love you guys. I beloved. it. I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from these passions of the flesh in this world. They wage war against your soul and keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they will see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. This is your life. This is my life. It is today. It is not tomorrow. It is not in 10 years. This is the day that we give all of that to the Lord and we walk out of here as free people. That's the encouragement. Father, help us to see what we need to see. Thank you for Larry's boldness, his honesty and his transparency. Thank you for reminding us that we are the people in need of change. Thank you for pursuing us. We are so unworthy of your grace and your mercy, yet you pursue us. All we can say is thank you. Change us. Mold us, cleanse us, conform us to the image of your son. And if there's stuff in our past that is plaguing us, help us to bring it into the light. If there are things in our present that is eating at us and it's keeping us guilt ridden, Lord, help us to have the faith to step into the light so that we might be healed and that we might be free. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Larry. Let's stand and sing.